0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I am so excited that you made the decision to get here. I think people are clapping because fall is here, man. We got jackets out today. I mean, it is cold weather. Let's go in the Midwest. It's going to be a great, great fall. The colors are turning. It's amazing outside. I'm so excited. Anyway, 1 Thessalonians, if you're new to the Bible, all the T's in the second half of your Bible or the New Testament, they're all together. So once you find a T book, you're close to Thessalonians chapter 3 is where we're going to be at. As you are finding your way there, um, I had a wild idea a few, um, a few months ago. I, was, I went to my girls. I got these three little daughters. I'm like, I got to toughen y'all up. We got we to get out of the country, all right? I got to toughen y'all up. Y'all getting too city-fied and all that stuff. And so I said, we're going to go on a fishing trip. Not a mission trip, a fishing trip. And so I'm going to take you on an overnighter. We're going to fish. We're going we're to tear up some lips. That's kind of fishing language. Anyway, so we're going to catch fish, and it's going to be amazing. And my wife's like, well, I want to go, too. I'm like, you don't like to fish. She's like, but I like to hang. So we load up, and we go out in the country. I don't know if there's anybody out here from Holden, but we went out to Holden, Missouri, and we went fishing in this, like, stocked pond. That's the best way to go fishing, because you're guaranteed to catch something. And uh, anyway, we go fishing, have a good time. This is me and my youngest right here, my five-year-old. Um, but everybody just appreciate my outfit real quick, all right? That, that's, that's something special right there, boots and shorts, cut off shorts. Anyway, so we caught some bass. It was amazing, and it was one of those nights where we were like, man, we're staying up late tonight. It's going to be awesome. We got there on Friday night. We stayed up late we gave the kids, I took them to the cereal aisle at the grocery store, you can buy any box of cereal you want, that, the, the girl, she got, she got some tricks, you know, like that's some good sugar cereal. And so we eat cereal and we're watching The Grinch, staying up late and I'm thinking, all right, we're gonna have a good night rest, it's gonna be amazing and we're sleeping in this room where we're all sleeping together in the same room like some old school families and we got a bunk bed and the five-year-old's on the top bunk and me and my wife, we're snuggled up underneath there on the, on the first bed and, and um, at about two o'clock in the morning, the five-year-old starts crying, like this like annoying cry, like not a real bad cry, but just kinda like a moan, like ugh, uh, uh, you know, that kinda cry, you know? And, uh, and my wife, man, she's the hero in our family. She, she gets up, she gets on the second bunk, And she starts cuddling, you know, our our youngest, and she starts trying to help her. And for like the next three hours, nothing is working, you know. And it's just one of those things where we wake up the next day, and it was like we were literally camping. You know, when you go camping, you never sleep well. It's like, why did we do this, you know. Anyway, but we were like in a real house with real beds, and it was one of those deals where we woke up. And like I had in my mind, I'm going to get up Saturday morning. I'm going to watch the sunrise. And I'm going to get my little girls up and say, let's go catch some fish. They're biting, you know. And and we're going to get up early, but we all slept in because nobody slept good that night. And I share that with you tonight because we're talking about something that is really, really important to the Christian life. And, and what we're talking about tonight is something that you probably have some experience with, but it's something that's so precious and it's such a privilege for the Christian. And just the way that my daughter cried out that night and, and my wife went and cared for her and was attentive to her cry. Listen, we have a heavenly father that when you and I cry out to him, he will stop what he's doing and he will be attentive to your cry. As much as my wife loves her children, and as much as I love our children, they're ours. Anyway, as much as we love our children, you know what I'm saying, God loves us infinitely more. And the thing that you've had some experience with, whether or not you're a Christian, the thing that you've come in here and probably done a few times and thrown up, you know, some Hail Marys, and the thing that you probably did if you're a football fan, the thing you probably did on Sunday that we're talking about tonight is this thing called prayer. Prayer. I wonder real quick, what's your experience with prayer? I don't know about you, but like when I first started following Jesus, a couple of things happened to me that I was like, like, can I get some, can I get some assistance here? You know, but, but it was like, here's what happened. They're like, all right, you're a Christian, cool. Here's a Bible. I'm like, check, got the Bible, got the Holy Bible. And they're like, you need to read that and you need to pray. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna read that and I'm gonna go pray. And, um, and then I found myself for quite some time kind of going like, how do you do this? You know, like everyone just kind of talks like I was reading in the Word the other day. I was talking to God the other day and I'm like, what were you saying? Like, what does this even look like? And and like, I remember my experience with prayer Um, really around this time of year when I was a young person, I remember going to this haunted house and it was like a hell house. And so like the, the whole goal of the haunted house was like to, to get you as close to hell as possible and then then, then to be like, you don't wanna go there, do you? Here's a, here's a card. You know, and so like I remember being so scared and like being a, a middle school boy like praying in my nightstand. God, I don't want to go to hell, you know, and like praying and asking God to save me, save me, save me. And then I don't remember praying a whole lot after that um, until I started playing football. And, um, and like I started praying like the good luck prayers, you know what I'm saying? Like the good luck prayers where uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's pre-game, you're about to go out and play the team, you know, the team you're not supposed to beat, but you think it's going to be an un- underdog Friday night or Saturday and and you think you going to have a Tennessee over Alabama moment, you know, and like, this is me. this all right. And you're praying, God, give me strength. I can do all things through you, God, who gives me strength. And God, help me to go out there and dominate. And God, help for your glory, though, for you, for, for you God, not for me. Like, I mean, but if I can get a few stats, like, but, but it's for you. It's for you, God, you know. And, and I just found myself, as I look back on my experience with prayer, it was kind of like, when all else fails, pray. When you're scared, scared to go to hell, that's when you should pray. And then, and then if you wanna be better at whatever the thing you're trying to be better at, it doesn't hurt to ask God to help you out a little bit, you know, just kinda give me a little blessing, you know, a little success, God, you know. And, and that was kinda my experience with prayer. And then um, I started reading the Bible, and I found out that that's really not how the people in the Bible approached prayer. That the people in the Bible, they approached prayer almost as if it was like their lifeline. Like there are, there are people in the Bible that just, it just seems like all they're doing is praying. And when they prayed, they prayed prayers that didn't sound like the prayers I was praying. They weren't like, God, you know my plans. Help me out. Help me to be a better me. They weren't prayers like that. They were different prayers altogether. But I think a lot of us, when we read those prayers, it's kind of like we're we're watching something like a foreign film. Like it looks familiar, but it doesn't sound familiar. You know what I'm saying? Like we're trying to connect all the cultural things, but it just doesn't add up. Because maybe you've prayed the prayer like, God, help me pass the test, even though you didn't study. Like maybe you prayed the prayer, God, help me to get out of this ticket, even though I was doing 95 and a 35. You know, like you've prayed that prayer and you just kind of thrown them up. And listen, prayer is something that we've all done but have we done it very well? And prayer is something that we've all had some experience with, but, but what, is, what, is it actually, what does it look like in our life practically? And again, the Bible was written to help us to know God and to know how to relate to God. And so tonight, we're going to be reading the Bible once again, and we're going to be talking about this thing called prayer. If you're taking notes, I'll title this message, How to Pray Better Prayers. <laughs> how to Pray Better Prayers. I mean, that's a, simple, that's a simple thing. Like, you've come here tonight to Paradigm, and hopefully you come here saying, man, I, I want to meet some people, but I, I want to meet with God Almighty. And not only do I want to meet with God Almighty, I want to become a better person that's interfacing with this God Almighty. If there is a God, I want to know him, and if I want to know him, I want to know him well, and I want to be effective. I don't want to just kind of coast and be mediocre in my, mediocre in my, in my Christian life. I want to be effective. I want to be good. I want to be... I want to be better. And so we're talking tonight about how to pray better prayers. And what I want to talk to you from God's Word is is, uh, about what is prayer altogether? What is it? And then who exactly are we praying to? And before we leave tonight, I'm going to give you a few things that you can actually pray for. If you're new to the Bible, there's a guy that really was a large contributor to the the New Testament, a guy named Paul. And Paul has an incredible story. He met a ton of people and God used him in a great way. And he started this church in Thessalonica, which is modern day Greece. And he's writing this letter back to them. And like Paul is, he loves these folks. Like he loves getting to kick it with the people in Thessalonica. And so he's writing this letter and he's like, man, I heard everything that's going on. Like I remember when we were with y'all and like, we started this thing, this, this movement, this church thing. And, and like, man, he's writing back, he's like, y'all keep going, man, y'all, y'all got it going on. There's not a whole lot of things that we need to correct. I'm just here to write a word of encouragement. And then in chapter two, he's like, man, he reminisces, get all nostalgic with them. He's like, man, we shared the gospel with y'all, but we kicked it with y'all. We went out to eat with y'all. We had, we had different uh, times where we played games, we played dominoes and cards and putt-putt golf. We went fishing with y'all. I mean, like we shared our life with one another. And then last week he said, man, this is my heart for you. And he gave us a few things that a good leader does, a godly leader does. And he wraps up this section with a prayer. Here's what he says, starting in verse 9, kind of to repeat where we were last week. He says this, 1 Thessalonians 3, 9. He says, for what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Again, he's saying, we cannot give God enough thanks for you guys. We love y'all so much. We just love you so much, is what he's saying. And he goes on, he says this in verse 10. He says, Night and day praying exceedingly. That's the key word. And so, you know, somebody's thinking as you're reading your Bible right now, what, what was Paul doing? Well, he was praying. That's what we're talking about tonight. Night and day praying. Praying how? Exceedingly. And he says that we are praying that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Again, perfect is this idea that we would see you grow in your faith to maturity. So, Paul's saying that I was doing this thing night and day exceedingly. And the thing that Paul was doing, was praying. See, Paul, he believed that when you prayed, it affected things. Paul had grown up hearing the stories of, of, of old where people had prayed to God that, that the sun would stand still and God did it. Paul had heard the stories growing up where people had prayed to God, God, give mercy upon your people. Don't, don't pour out your wrath upon them. And God, he, he changed away from wrath and he changed towards mercy. Paul had heard stories of how people had prayed to God and how it had impacted the world. And then Paul lived his life in such a way that he began to pray to God. And he began to ask God for things. And so when Paul says, I was praying, this was something that Paul was accustomed to. This was almost second nature to a guy like Paul. And when Paul was living his life, it was marked, no doubt, by prayer. But what is prayer? What exactly was Paul doing? If you're taking notes, you could write this down. Point number one, what is prayer? What is prayer? What is prayer? We're talking about how to pray better prayers tonight, paradigm. And the first thing we got to ask ourselves what is what is this thing altogether? Well, I mean, what, what are we actually doing when we're praying? Well, Paul, he's saying, man, I was praying night and day exceedingly. So, so like, I don't know if you've ever been around um, a group where, like, they, they'll ask somebody, like, uh, I was at a, a wedding down in Texas a couple weeks ago, and, and they asked me, I was officiating the wedding. So at the rehearsal, then they said, well, you know, um, Pastor, would you pray? And so um, in that environment, you know, weddings bring all kinds of people from all different walks of life together. It's always funny to me to watch how different people approach a prayer. You know, i get up there, I'm like, let's pray. And some people are like, this, are we waffling? Is this the waffle prayer? You know? Then other people are like, okay. And then, you know, you, you, got, you got the real free people like just, you know. And I mean, people are like, do we stand? Do we sit? Do we bow? Do we close our eyes? Leave them open. What do you mean, like, how, how, what is prayer? Can I, can I pray when I'm driving? Do I need to be in a certain place? Do I have to do it at a certain time? What exactly is going on, and what is prayer? Well, let me give you five things that prayer is not, because sometimes it's helpful to know what something is not before you really can understand what it is. Well, first thing is this, that prayer is not meditation, you know, it's not you doing a warrior pose and finding some sort of thing, you know, like where you're meditating and focusing on this like, you know, uh, uh, emptying of yourself. It's not just meditation. Uh, the second thing that prayer is not, it's, it's not mindfulness. You know, it's not you being introspective and, and, um, and having your Apple Watch tell you to breathe. You know, it's not, it's not you being present and that's prayer. Uh, Prayer is, it's not meditation, it's not mindfulness. Prayer, note this, prayer is not manifestation. It's not you saying, I want this, and so I'm gonna manifest this into existence. Uh, Prayer is, uh, the next thing, prayer is not, it's not muddy. It's not some nebulous kind of what are we actually doing here and I'm just kind of, I just always pray and I'm praying for this and, and it's like we're just going to kind of sprinkle this and, and I'm going to, you know, like it's not some ambiguous thing that you do. And, and the fifth thing that prayer is not, couldn't think of an M word so I'm just making it clear, prayer is not easy, all right, it's not measy, okay, does that, that helps some of you? Uh, it's not, it's not, sorry, pastor joke, it's not funny, anyway, it's not easy, all right, Notice Paul's language here. He says that night and day, we prayed ex- exceedingly. Else- elsewhere in the New Testament, Paul would say that we labored with you in prayer, that prayer is not meditation, it's not mindfulness, manifestation, it's not muddy, and it's not easy. Now, those things are not bad things in and of themselves. I'm not, I'm not denouncing all of those things, but I'm saying if you think that those things are the same thing as prayer, you've misunderstood what prayer is according to the word of God, Well, here's the most basic definition of prayer, okay? If you're taking notes, even if not, I think you can take this home with you. If somebody said, well, hey, hey, what'd you learn at Paradigm tonight? What what did y'all talk about? You can say, we talked about prayer. What is that thing exactly, you know? Maybe they were thinking, and here it is. You ready? Here it is. Prayer's most basic definition is talking to God. You're like, why do they pay that guy? (laughs) Like, that is, you know what I'm saying? Like, that is, that's what it is, though. As simple as my daughter cried out in the middle of the night, she didn't even say a word. It was just, you know, and my wife somehow knew. Oh, she, she's got an earache. I'm like, how do you know this, you know? And like she just kind of moaned to something. And that is as simple as the child spoke to her parents. So it is with you and God. Prayer's most basic definition is just talking to God. It's the communication of, of the human soul with the Lord who created your soul. Prayer is the primary way for the believer to build their relationship with God. When we praise, earlier we sang songs to Jesus. And when we praise, we are, we are praying to God. We're saying, God, you're amazing. Hallelujah. Forever you reign, God Almighty. Holy is your name. And when we praise, we're simply praying to God. We're telling him, how much we love him, how much we adore him, how much we glory in him. When we pray, we're enjoying the presence of God. We're thanking him for the sunset. We're thanking him for the sunrise. We're thanking him for the breeze, the fall trees. We're praising him for what he's created and we're enjoying his presence and we're telling him what's going on in our life. We're saying, oh God, would you intervene in this situation? Would you enter into this situation? When we pray, we make requests known to God and we seek guidance from God and we seek wisdom from God. Who, who the Bible tells us who God gives. He gives wisdom liberally to those who ask. And God, man, he, he loves this exchange. God is crazy about his kids. The Bible teaches us, Jesus taught us this, that that you being an evil father know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? And the good thing that he's trying to give all of us who ask is not so much of his stuff, but is more of his spirit, more of himself. And God, he, he delights in his children. And I think too often we, we lose sight of the simplicity of prayer. And so we can oftentimes make it into this thing and I don't know what your faith tradition is and, and, and I think in the name of reverence and we should have reverence in our prayer life but I think in the name of reverence oftentimes we can confuse the access that we get to God if we have a relationship with Jesus. And I think sometimes in the name of religion, we'll think I've got to, I've got to face a certain direction or, or I've got to go see a certain holy person that we deem holy or, or I've got to go do a certain ritualistic thing. And it's like, no, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get access and you can just simply talk to God as a child talks to their parents. Prayer, it's also us aligning our heart with God's. I don't know if you've ever needed an alignment job on your car you ever needed one of those? Like your car, like the, the, front, the front tires, they start shaking real bad, you know? And like, you're just like, you're trying to drive down on the, on the six, right? You know, and, and, um, and so you're kind of down here with the steering wheel, but your car's just like going off the road just on its own, and, and you're like fighting the thing. Or, and, and, they, and, and the mechanics, I think they, they say this, that if you don't align your car, it's gonna mess other things up in the car. And so if you, if you drive a car that's not aligned properly, you could run off the road naturally, And then you can mess other things up in the car internally. And so just like our tires need to be realigned from time to time, our soul needs to be realigned often. And the way that we realign our soul spiritually, the way that we do this is we do this in prayer. We spend time before God Almighty and we say, God, would you realign my heart for what matters most to your heart. God, you're the standard. You're the plumb line. You're the thing that's gonna course correct so that my, my soul that's wobbly right now will be corrected and I can walk in alignment with you. And that's what prayer is. When we pray, we change. Prayer is the language of the dependent. And when we cease to pray, what we're saying is we're, we're declaring our independence from God Almighty. But when we pray, we're saying, God, would you enter into my situation? And would you begin to do what only you can do? And listen, prayer is the privilege of the Christian. So do you pray? If you claim that God has changed your life, do you talk to him? And what does that even look like for you? So Paul, he's saying, man, we we were praying night and day, exceedingly praying, praying. But, but who exactly was he praying to? Because again, if you're new to the, this whole church thing or the Bible, uh, oftentimes we, we have an idea of who God is and that can inform why we do or don't pray. And so it's important that we look at, at the, the theology or the understanding of God as it says in the scripture. So verse 11, it says this, First Thessalonians 3:11. Paul says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's just stop right there. This is who Paul's addressing. Point number two, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. Who do you pray to? What is prayer? Who do you pray to? Again, we're trying to help equip you tonight to pray better prayers. And I think sometimes like we're not fired up about prayer because we're not really fired up about God. Because we don't really have a right understanding of who God is. Every one of us is on a journey to greater understanding of who God is. None of us have God figured out, all right? He's a little bit mysterious, and he is kind of the whole, he's got the whole God thing going for him. And so all of us are all trying to figure out who is this God, and many of us, we're not real fired up about him because we don't know a lot about him. So let's just kind of break down these three words for God uh, that, that Paul uses here. He says, we're praying to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this first word, God, is, it just literally means God Almighty. It's the Greek word theos. It's just like, when, you know, the, the thing that's above all things, you know, the, the end of the metaphysical universe or whatever, if that makes sense. He's God, he's, he's before all things. And Paul's saying, this is the one that we pray to. And listen, if you have a right relationship with Jesus Christ and you've come to a point in your life where you've you said, God, I need, I need salvation, and you believe Jesus as the only hope for your salvation, and you turn from your sin and you started following Jesus Christ, what that means is that you get direct immediate, and you get complete access to God Almighty. And what's amazing about that is that God is awesome. Okay, that was like a great spot. Like if you're here and you know God, that was like your spot, you know, like just to be like, yeah, you know, or or amen. I don't know if you say amen, but like when, you know, like let's just try that again, okay? Because God is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that should fire you up. Some of you, you don't know that, but others, that should fire you up, you know. Yeah, He's awesome. And, uh, man, I just think, like, uh, how amazing it is that you and I get to speak to God of the galaxies. I I grew up in the evolution of communication. What I mean by that is I can remember having a cord phone, a cordless phone, and then getting a cell phone, and then being able to get an iPhone. Like, I, I, I can track all that in my life. And so, like, I've seen communication really evolve and change and I'm still fascinated that I can FaceTime somebody on the other side of the world and have a face-to-face conversation with them it's incredible as incredible as it is that we can communicate that clear with one another it's even more mind-boggling even more incredible that we can have a conversation with the God of the universe I don't know if y'all saw the recent space photos that were produced by the new telescope that like that, you know, like stiff-armed the Hubble, I don't know what it's called yet. But anyway, like these amazing pictures that we, like when you look at all the galaxies and all the stars and everything that is in the universe and we can be like, yeah, I was talking with the guy that made that earlier. I mean, what an amazing opportunity. And see, the reason why that's such a big deal is because some of you have come in here tonight and you've got a big deal going in your life. Some of you have come in here tonight and you've got a big diagnosis in your life. You're dealing with cancer or you're dealing with a sick family member. Some of you have come in here tonight and you've got a big diagnosis of anxiety in your life and you're carrying around this invisible backpack that's leading to all sorts of sideways problems in your life. Others of you have come in here in like the relational baggage or the relational isolation or whatever it is, you've got a big problem that you brought in here tonight. And the reason why it's important that we understand that God is a big God is because we have big problems and if we don't have a big God to take our big problems to, then why would we even pray? But we have a big God. One preacher said, you don't need to tell God how big your problems are, you need to tell your problems how big your God is. And when you pray to God, that's who you're praying to. You're saying, God, you can move in. What a privilege it is I get to talk to you. And you can move in and you can change this situation. You can bring comfort in this situation. You can bring power in this situation. I got news this week of a woman in our church who was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer. They were planning her funeral. She went into the doctor this week. They said, we don't know what cancer you're talking about. And you're just thinking, how did this happen? Who, who, who intervened? God Almighty intervened. That's who intervened. And that's who we get to pray to. Well, Paul, he doesn't only say that we're praying to God. He says we're also praying to God as our Father. Our Father. If you want to have a picture of who God is, I want you to think about the best Father you've ever experienced. Some of you, you come in here and you don't have a good picture of your Father. And I'm sorry for that. But maybe you've seen a Father, you're like, man, that is a good Father. I want you to think about this. God is not the reflection of your earthly father. He's the perfection of your earthly father. And so everything that a father is supposed to be, that's who God is and more. And so when we get to pray to God as our father, the reason why that's a big deal is because, listen, listen, God cares about you. He is wild about you. There's, There's not a thought that comes into your mind that isn't already on God's heart. And as much as, like, my kids, when they come to me, like, it is, it's amazing to be a dad. I've got these three little girls, and they tell us that, women, y'all got to get about 24,000 words out a day. And so, man, I got, my ears are growing. <laughs> like, I mean, we'll be at the table, and all the girls will be talking at the same time. I'm like, all right, yeah, okay. And, uh, and pause, you know. And I love just hearing them all talk. And, and, and it confuses me at times, but it never confuses God when we talk to him. That night, and a joy on Friday night when we were having the time of our life. Um, my my wife, she's up on the second bunk, and like, and by this time, like I'm never the first responder, you know, and so that's really not my thing. And so like the kids would be crying, and like it takes me a minute to be like, is that is that real, you know? And so my wife, she she's got like the the mom sense, you know, and so she can hear like the the kid roll over the bench. like what you, you know, and so like she she's got that sort of ear, but for me it takes a while. So eventually I come to, you know, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> I feel, I don't know, anyway, I was about to make a Latin joke about who disturbs my slumber. Anyway, so anyway, I, I get up, and, and because I love my daughter, I immediately asked, how can I, how can I help? So I go get water, and, and eventually she moves into my bed, and, and the fitted sheet comes off the mattress, and like, we got fixed all, you know, it's like, and then, like, it was just a big, it was a big deal, all right? And I tried to do what I could do. Why? Because I, I'm her dad. That's what dads do. They hear the cries of their kids and they, they try to meet those needs because they care about their kids. And when you pray to God as your father, you're praying to a God that cares deeply about you. And so if, 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 you're, if you're in a season of loneliness and you don't think God cares about that, you've misunderstood who God is. If you're in a season of rejection, and you don't think God cares about that? I think you, you've misunderstood who God is. I think sometimes we, we kind of like don't want to bother God. You know, we're like, God, hey, man, it, you know, it's Chad. And like, man, you know, like, it's been a while. And, uh, and God, you know, like, I, I, I know you got to, like, I ain't trying to bother you. Um, but if you could just help me out this one time, I'll, I'll leave you alone. And God's saying, you've missed the point. <laughs> God, it is clear according to Luke 11 that God has given us an invitation to bother him because he loves you that much. And I'll say it again, if it's on your mind, it's already on God's heart because he's your father. He's the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. He's the one that has dreams for you. He's the one that has plans for you. He's the one in Zechariah, Zephaniah 3, it says that he, he sings over you. He delights over you. God is not out to get you. He's out to win you because he's a father. And so when we pray, this is who we get to pray to. It's incredible. The last thing that we, that we see here in this verse 11 is that Paul, he addresses God as Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul's talking about God, Father, Lord Jesus Christ, when he's talking about all these different names and stuff, like he, he just kind of sees them all as the same God. And this is what the Bible teaches, that we have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when we pray, we can pray to the different persons in the Trinity. And so he's not praying like God the Father, and then he, and he's like, all right, I kind of you know, took care of that. Now, on to you, Jesus. Like, No, he's like, we're all, it's all, we're all the same. Y'all all God. I'm talking to all y'all at the same time. And so Paul, that's what he's doing. He's saying in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some things that we get to understand when we understand who Jesus is and why it's amazing that we get to talk to God in this form. It's, it's just incredible because Jesus, listen, one of the coolest things that Jesus gives us in prayer, Jesus gives us access. He gives us access. That when we pray to Jesus, we can have confidence that we don't have to pray to anybody else. You ain't got to pray to Jesus' mom. You ain't got to pray to a saint. You don't have to pray to a holy man. Uh, You don't have to pray in a holy place. If you have Jesus in your life, you got all you need. You just go straight to him. Paul said this in 1 Timothy. He said that there is one God and one mediator, the man Jesus Christ. And you pray to Jesus and you get access. Um, My brother, uh, he has this weird relationship with the Mahomes family. And, um, and so like, like he was at my home's wedding and like, I mean, you we know, talked about this a couple weeks ago. And, and so, um, you know, I've lived here five years and my brother's been to more Chiefs games than I've been to, you know? And I, you know, eventually like I, I was kind of like, that's, that's cool, but, but when are you going to invite me? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know I mean? So I'm your brother, you know? And like, you're doing all these like chief stuff and you're at my home's house. Oh, cool. You know, but come on, bro. You know? And, uh, and so I got the call last week, y'all. Thursday night, my brother's like, hey man, coming up to the Bills game, I got an extra ticket, <laughs> do you want to go, I was like, it's about time, yes, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and like, <laughs> it was, I had the royal treatment, y'all, so here's me and my brother, we was, we was in these seats, that's a box, <laughs> okay, holler at your boy, all right, that's a box, all right. And uh, he was like, you need a parking pass? I was like, yeah. And it was like a platinum, which I didn't even know that was a thing. And so like, I, I hadn't taken it off my truck yet. I'm like, see that? <laughs> see that? Yeah, and this 2012. Anyway, and so, man, I had access. Um, at, when there was like in the fourth quarter, my brother's like, hey, we've got these, uh, this press pass where we can go to the locker room after the game. You wanna do that? I was like, hook it up, yeah." you know? So I got like this special badge and I got all this access. And the reason why I shared that with you is because Just the same way I got access and had certain privileges to be able to speak with certain people, because I knew the right person, so it is with your relationship to Jesus. See, when you know Jesus, you get access to God Almighty directly. When you know Jesus, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews that that you can boldly, approach the throne room of grace. What you doing in this box? I was the first one to get to the box on Sunday. What you doing here? And I said, um, Dustin sent me. <laughs> they said, okay, you one of us then. And because I knew the right person, I was granted access and all the benefits that came with it. And when we pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're praying to the one that is mediating for us, I think somewhere along the way, like we've confused that in, in church. And so maybe you grew up again where you thought you had to go through a certain chain. Jesus is the direct access. And when you have Jesus, you have all that you need. See, your view of God, it drives your prayer life. And I would agree with a famous theologian that just says this, that, that the most important thing in a man's life is his view of God, or a woman's life is her view of God. And the better that we can understand God and who he is and all the complexities and the mysteries of, and the wonder of who he is, the more we'll see the privilege that we have to speak to him. That when you understand who God is, you want to talk to him. And if you have a small God then, then, and you have big problems, you won't take those problems to him. If you have a distant God that's, that's kind of like a, a dad that left you and just was on the other side of the state that you only see once a year, then, then why would you tell him some of the intimate details of your life? And if you don't have Jesus, then you don't have anyone that's going to mediate for you and you don't have the access that you want. But if you do have a God that is God Almighty, the most powerful, if you do have a God that's, that's a father, the most caring, and if you do have a God that is Jesus Christ the Lord, you have access and this is who we pray to so we've talked about what is prayer, what, what is the thing that we're doing, uh, who, who exactly are we talking to, and then finally, uh, what do we actually say? Like when we get to the thing and we're ready to pray, and we've got our hands folded or together or out or on our knees, in our bed, driving, whatever, eyes open, closed, whenever we're there, right? What do we actually say? And I don't know if you've ever been there where you've heard talks like this, and you're like, you need to go pray, and again, you get to the time, you're like, all right, this is, God, this is me praying, I'm praying, and I'm praying, you know, amen, all right? And like, you just kind of feel, what do I say? Well, Paul, he gives us some things that we can pray for, and I just want to draw your attention to them. Here it is in verse 11. Again, he says that, that we're, we're talking to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and he just says in verse 11, part B, uh, that God would direct our way to you, that he would direct our way to you. And in verse 12, he, got, he says this, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness Before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. Uh, What do you pray? Uh, What do you pray? Um, Another way of saying that is what do you actually say? What are you praying for? Again, there's several passages in the Bible that we could have turned to tonight, but we're faithfully walking through 1 Thessalonians, and in 1 Thessalonians, we get a little bit of a template here. There's other parts of the Bible. There's the Lord's Prayer, and and there's Moses' Prayer. There's men and women that have prayed all throughout Scripture where we can learn different things and learn the language of prayer throughout the passages of Scripture, but I just want to draw our attention to three things that we find in this short passage that we can pray, three things to pray if you're taking notes. The first thing that you can pray for is direction direction you see it there in verse 11 that paul was praying that that god would direct our way to you he's saying man we want to get to you guys we want to check in we, we love y'all remember he loves these folks and he's like god I'm, I'm asking that you would direct our paths to you we're praying that god would direct us to you is what he's saying real, real quick what's the direction in your life or, or let me let me um ask it differently where are you going in life Here's what I found to be true, that you end up where you're going. Y'all you found that to be true? That, that you usually end up where you're going, right? Like if, if you're going to Johnny's tonight, you're probably going to end up at Johnny's. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 you, know, you end up where you're going. And the reason why I say that is because as true as that is, when we get in our trucks, and our cars, that's true in life. I'm not talking about where you're going physically. I'm talking about where you're going in life. And if you want to end up in a place where you are serving God and you are loving the Lord and you are leading your family in 10 years, 20 years, you gotta look down and say, I'm on that path. And God is saying it is a good thing for you to pray for direction. For when you pray tonight, tomorrow, and you say, God, it's me, um, and I, I'm talking to you now, I guess I'm doing this thing, um, I, uh, I, could, could you give me direction? The book of Ephesians says this to Be very careful how you walk, not as fools, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It says elsewhere, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your paths straight. That God wants to align your direction in life with his purpose for your life. And it is a good and a godly thing for you to get on your knees, get on your face, stand, whatever you're doing in your posture, and you say, God, would you give me direction? Would you give me vision for my life? Don't you know that God has a call on your life? Don't you know that there are some things that God has your name assigned to That the scripture teaches us that you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, prepared for good works in which, or, or created for good works in which he prepared in advance for you to do. That there's something that has come down from heaven that has your name tag on it. And we, in prayer, we discover God's direction for our life. That's a good thing to pray. God, would you direct me to the people that you want me to be with? God, would you direct me to the spouse that you want me to marry? God, would you direct me to the location that you want me to be God, would you direct me to the vocation? God would, you, God, would you give me direction? What a great prayer. Here's the second thing you can pray. You can pray for affection. Affection. You see it there in verse 12. Paul says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. God wants you to be better at love. You want something to pray God help me to get better at not your bench press not your 40 time please don't be timing your 40 guys we're adults all right <laughs> bench press I understand that all right he wants you to get better at he cares about those things but he cares more about your love not your love life that's different you know what I'm saying like but he, he cares about that too but here's what the bible sees you know somebody like God make me a better lover no that don't pray that out loud all right that'll be misunderstood okay When the Bible talks about love, it's not necessarily talking about romantic love here. It's talking very clearly about a sacrificial serving kind of love. Who are the people in your life that are hard to love? Don't look at them. Just look right at me, okay? Blink at me, all right? (laughs) And ask God to help you grow in your affection for them. Uh, earlier this week, or excuse me, earlier this month, some friends of mine, uh, we, uh, we took the leadership of my wife. I love my wife. She's such a great leader in my life and uh, such a great uh, servant as well in my life. And she said, hey, Chad, you should get some, some cokes, uh, bottled cokes, and you should take them to the guys that are working on the church in the crossroads. And I'm like, why didn't I come up with that idea? That's a great idea, you know? And so, um, so, so I, you know, I said, that's a great idea. Let's, let's put that in motion. And that is a small way For me to put the love of God on display to these men that are working hard on building the church in downtown. And so I got with, with, with some of my friends, Jason and Lloyd, and we, we got these Cokes together, and, and we met down there, and we just said, hey, here's a bottle of Coke. You know, nothing better than a cold Coke, you know what I'm saying? And they were getting off work, and then we saw a guy that was taking a nap on the sidewalk in front of the church, and so we got to go over to him, and we got to pray with him and give him a Coke in Jesus' name. And, like, it, like, it was awesome, you know, and it's such a, such a simple thing, such a small sacrifice, but a way for us to abound in our affection. And when you're praying, God, would you give me direction? God, would you give me ideas so that I can grow and put your love on display in a tangible way? The third thing that you can pray for, according to this passage, is for preparation. So when you're praying, God, give me direction. Give me affection. God, give me preparation. You see there in verse 13, he says this, and and Paul's praying, and, and that God would establish your hearts, here it is, blameless in holiness, before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Paul's saying that you, you should ask God to establish your hearts blameless in holiness. That's, that's a lot of words thrown together. What he's saying is that, that there should be things in your life that you're asking God to search and then remove. One of the most common prayers that I pray comes out of Psalm 139 and it just simply says, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way, or test my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Because deep down inside, I want to be blameless. There are things that I know that I'm doing that are sinful, that I'm ignorant of. And I want God to show me those things so that I can give those things over to him. I want to be blameless. This word holy, it literally means that you're set apart, that you're you're reflecting the character of God. And so you're praying, God, if there's something in me that is not in alignment with your character, would you help that to change? I remember when I was a young adult and I was like on this vicious cycle of like sin, confess, sin, confess, like living like a hypocrite. I was talking with a guy earlier about this and I'm like, man, I, I just got tired of playing games with God. And so I, I, I had like a new season of brokenness and I'm like, God, I, would you forgive me? Once again, I prayed that tired prayer and I, and I returned back to the love of God and I said, God, this time's going to be different. Now I remember from that day forward, I began to cultivate my prayer life with God. I moved from praying before football games to actually praying throughout my week. And I would get on my face before God Almighty and I'd say, God, there are things in my life. There's lust in my life. There's pride in my life. There's people pleasing in my life and many other things that are not blameless, that are not holy. And God, I need you to remove those things from my life. And I remember praying and fighting and struggling and saying, God, would you, would you purify me? Would you cleanse me? And all of these years later, I've learned that that's a good prayer to pray. And that God wants you to be blameless and he wants you to be holy. Why? Because Jesus is going to return for his bride. And what Paul does here at the end of this, he's like, man, y'all do all of this. You pray, you, you seek these things, grow in your direction, grow in your love, your affection, and grow in your preparation because the Lord Jesus Christ is returning with his saints. His saints are his people, his church. And we are. if you are anxiously anticipating the return of God, it should impact the way that you live today. We've been seeing this opener video that just says Maranatha. Maranatha, it literally means come Lord Jesus. And this was a prayer of the early church, more like an anthem. Oh God, would you come? Oh God, would you return? Would you bring restoration? Would, would the king of, of the universe, would he come and bring redemption? Would you come and bring justice? Would you return and bring peace? And Maranatha is this, this heart cry, come Lord Jesus, come. And if you truly say Maranatha with integrity, Then what should fall out of your mouth as well and prepare me for your arrival. The Bible teaches that Jesus will show up as a thief in the night. He's not gonna get on your calendar with your assistant. The Lord just does what he wants. We are his subjects. He doesn't show up when we're good and ready. And so today is a great time to get ready there's this 12th century prayer guide that was uh, discovered and it doesn't even have an author and, and I love it. Uh, I was able to read it and it's real simple and it just simply gives advice and it, it says this, um, hey, when you're praying, uh, pretend like you're gonna die at the end of your prayer, which is kind of morbid, but it's back in the day. So it was like plague time. And so maybe they were, I don't know. Anyway, so and in, in the reason why is because, don't get distracted, sorry. The reason why is because it would put in perspective what you should be praying for and, and not praying for. When you live in light of eternity, it helps you to have the proper perspective on what you should be praying in the temporary. And so this prayer God was trying to teach people how to have perspective in their prayer. And so we pray, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Because when he comes, all the tears that we cried, all the aches that we've communicated, all the pain that we've been through, all the sorrows of this world they'll seem like a bad dream in the end when we woke up on Saturday morning um, when we were on our fishing trip you know and and we're asking the girls you know how did you sleep and one of the daughters you know she was like I slept great we're like did you not hear what was going on because we were all in the same room she's like no Uh, the other daughter she was like I didn't sleep very good at all because I heard everything that was going on and then eventually Anna Joy the baby the one that was crying all throughout the night you know she comes out and and, you know, my wife and I were just kind of eye twitching, you know, like this was a terrible idea. But anyway, we asked her, like, how'd you sleep, baby? And she's like, I slept great. We're like, what? And we're like, you cried all night. And she goes, really? I thought it was just a bad dream. What's it for breakfast? And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know, and, and she, she had no memory of it the next day, seriously. And I think that's a picture of what heaven will be like. That when we get to heaven and when when we're finally with Jesus, and Maranatha finally has become a reality, I wonder if Jesus is going to be like, man, I heard your prayers. I saw those lonely nights. I saw you saying no to this and saying yes to this. I saw you go through that dark season. I saw you endure those things. I heard you cry. I wonder if we're just going to look at it and be like, what are you talking about? It's just a bad dream. Let's go to heaven. You know, like, I don't know if that's how it's going to be. But it should sure just get me excited. And it should sure just get me eager to say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. I want to challenge you to do two things as a result of this message. The first thing I want to challenge you to do is, a, is I'm just calling it a seven-day prayer challenge. And here's what I mean by that, that some of you, this is the occasion for you to begin a new habit and a new practice that's gonna serve you for the rest of your life. And and here's the challenge. For the next seven days, that you would take five minutes a day, you would put this thing away, you would get in a place where you can focus and you can begin to ask God for things. And you can pray. You can write out your prayer. You can say your prayer out loud. You can pray internally as well. But you would take five minutes for the next seven days and you would pray. The next challenge that I want to issue you is right now. I want you to bow your head and to close your eyes and I'm just going to walk us through a prayer before we dismiss tonight. Now, just a reminder, um, bowing your head and closing your eyes, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's so like, you're not like, all right, we're in the spiritual position right now, okay? And so just a reminder, you, you don't have to, Close your eyes, you don't have to bow your head, but this is a body language thing. And I would say that your body has a language, and and for me, I've just learned that it's best for me to assume a posture of of humility before God Almighty. And closing your eyes, that doesn't make you more spiritual or less spiritual if you leave them open, but for me, that just kind of helps me to focus and helps me to kind of block out some of the, the distractions that may be around me. And so what I'm gonna do is is that I'm going to give you a little bit of silence, 30 seconds a pop, and I'm gonna walk you through some of these things that we talked about tonight. The first thing is this, for 30 seconds, I want you just to think about, and you can even think your prayers to God. I want you to think about who God is. And so you can, in these 30 seconds, you can say things like, God, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're beloved, you're creator, You know, things like that. So let me give you 30 seconds. Ready, set, go. Right, for the next 30 seconds, I just want you to pray for God's direction in your life. God, lead me to this place. God, bring this person to me. Pray for God's direction. Y'all take 30 seconds. Pray for God's direction. Ready, set, go. All right, for the next 30 seconds, I want you to pray for God's affection. God, help me to love this person help me love my mom help me love my dad help me love my roommate help me love my coworker. god help me to love them the way that you would love them help me to love my, my girlfriend my boyfriend the way that you would love them not your own invention of love but but god's invention of love ready set go all right last but not least um ask god to to prepare you you know again this is is there anything blameless or unholy in your life and then ask God to prepare you for his return. If Jesus was to return right now, what would you have regretted not resolving? If Jesus was to return right now, what would you have regretted uh, not, not doing or stopping? And pray right now that God would help you to be blameless in holiness and be expectant and prepared for his return. Ready, set, go. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you for who you are, that we get to boldly approach the throne room of God and know that we're going we're gonna to find grace and mercy. God, we thank you that you are slow to anger, abounding in love. You're steadfast in your kindness. God, we thank you that we can speak to you as, as a man speaks to a man, <laughs> but we can speak to you immortal as mere mortals, God. We just thank you so much that we can talk to you and that you, you blow our minds, that you are all awesome and you are almighty and you are magnificent and majestic and so many more superlatives that, that we would spend lifetimes trying to utter unto you to give you glory. God, we, we pray tonight specifically that you would give us direction. God, for the person that's here that's at a fork in the road, God, help them to know to go this way or that. Help them to hear your word behind them saying, This is the way, walk in it. God, for the person that's at a, a crossroads relationally and they're trying to figure out, Should I propose to this person or Should I get married to this person or Should I just ask this person on a date? God, I pray that you'd give them direction. You'd give them direction in their calling. The person that's considering leaving it all behind, God, I pray that you'd help them to know, just know what you want them to do and to give them peace, give them courage to go to the hard place even, you, even though they may not want to, but they can't deny that it's you calling them to go that way. God, I pray that you would help us to grow in our affection, that you would help us to love people that are, that are just flat out not easy to love. And God, I pray that you'd give us the, the grace we need to represent you well tomorrow. And God, I pray that you would help us to grow in our preparation. God, what is unholy in our life is, is heinous in your eyes. God, what the areas where we are in willful disobedience, not sins of ignorance, but sins of knowledge, where we're not blameless, God, I pray that you would help us to repent, that we would turn from, your, fr- from our sins and we would turn to you. And God, I pray that there would be this kind of giddy expectation of your return. That we would say as a, as a valiant warrior, Maranatha. We would say as, a, as, a, as an expectant mother waiting for her child to come, Maranatha. God, that we would be giddy, that we would be charged, that we would be all the cocktail of excitement about your return. And God, I pray that we would live in light of that daily. Because life is short. Eternity is long. God, I pray ultimately that we would seize the privilege it is to pray. And you'd help us to be a ministry that is marked by dependency upon you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.